0: The following audio is from Jacobswell Church. For more information about Jacobs Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. I've been told uh, today's kind of a big deal. That's what I've been told. And Dan said I should come up and, and say something significant. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I, I'm not even a member of your church. I just sit in the back corner over there with the Appleton crew. Hey, Appleton crew. I sit back there. I've kind of been sitting back there for nine months. It's been nice. I mean, I get to come and have your snacks. It's been good. Uh, I've sat in on your leadership meetings. That's kind of cool. Um, I went to theology on tap. That's fun. I get to take my kids to the nursery, and my kids go to some of the classes you guys have going on. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I just kind of I, I even member church, and uh, this is a big deal today, I guess, and uh, I guess you're becoming a real church today, so yeah, here I am. Okay, let's be real. Okay, If you know me, you know, my tongue is firmly placed in my cheek, right there, okay? This is a huge deal. This is big. I have sat back there, yes. For nine months to a year, and I have watched what God has done in your midst. I have seen the Holy Spirit move in a powerful way in this city through you, the church. And today is a culmination, a showing of what God has done, and you becoming, I guess, quote-unquote, a real church in Green Bay. Now, my little act at the beginning there, it does raise a good question, a question I think it needs to be answered this morning. A question I hear as a church planner down in Appleton, supported by you guys, is why the church? Why start a church? Why another church? You say in your core values, Jake, as well, that you are going to be culture changers of Green Bay. How is starting a church a place where you can be culture changers of Green Bay? How is the church a catalyst for that? How does a church have the ability to do such a thing? And that is the argument I want to make to you this morning. In fact, Paul's going to make the argument to you. And I'm going to sum it up like this. This is why the church is a transformer for community, for cities, for culture. And the reason that this is a big deal today is this. Because the church is where reconciliation happens. It's where it's proclaimed. It's where it's lived out. And it's where it's advanced. So let's look together. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17 through 6-1. It's in your pew Bibles. I think the exact pages are in the notes there. I don't know the pages off the top of my head. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. he reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for your bride the church and thank you for what you are doing and will do through Jacob's will be with its leaders, be with um, just the congregation as it's a light to Green Bay in the community. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, Paul is writing again to the church in Corinth. And there is a lot of issues in the church in Corinth. And he addresses some of those issues in 1 Corinthians, but then again he has to address some new issues in this second letter to Corinth. And in this letter, he is trying to argue to these people that he is an authority on what the true gospel is because there are just mixed messages happening in this church. False gospels coming in to the congregation. So Paul is trying to say, I am a true authority on what the gospel is. In fact, I am a minister of reconciliation. I am an ambassador. He uses these kind of illustrations. Now, that word ambassador has, has a meaning. It, it means that uh, you are a representative of a country or of a king. You speak for those leaders. You are a representative maybe in a foreign place or somewhere else. So Paul is saying, I am a representative of King Jesus. And as a representative of King Jesus, I am telling you what it means to have true reconciliation. I am a spokesperson for the king. Well, Paul, again, he's showing his apostolic authority, his ability to speak the true message of the gospel, when he says, we are ambassadors, he's talking about himself and the apostles. But that doesn't mean it just refers to the apostles. Yes, Paul had a specific message and a specific purpose in writing much of the New Testament and being a spokesperson of God, laying out what was meant in the Gospels. But we too our ambassadors, in the sense that we speak the message of reconciliation that has been written by the apostles and spoken by Jesus. Dan already alluded to this today in the announcements, and many times we don't always just put it forward that we're Presbyterian. Okay, here it is, you're Presbyterians. But this actual word, ambassador, comes from... Presbatus—it's actually the verb function. Presbytos means elder, so it's presbo, which is the verb function of eldering. So Dan Jackson, where's Jeff? Jeff Frick, Mark Kaiser, he's speaking to you. You are eldering. You are eldering the message of reconciliation to this church. But he's not just speaking to the elders. He's also speaking to all of you as ambassadors. The church is a message, a place, where the message of reconciliation is talked about, is exposed. So you too are presbos, Presbyterians. I said it. You are Presbyterians, ambassadors. Of reconciliation. I uh, went to school in Washington, D.C., and a big thing at uh, Halloween time uh, for college students in D.C. was to go to Embassy Row. And so, Embassy Row is these few streets in Washington, D.C., that are these gigantic houses that have now been bought by different countries throughout the world that have their flag out front and they're embassies. And so at Halloween time, uh, college students, you go trick-or-treating down embassy row. And it's really fun because the different embassies have their cultural food out, they'll have parties, um, they'll have decorations that uh, match what their country is out front, and uh, you always try to find what's the best country to find good treats and the good parties. And so What they're doing as embassies, more than just trick-or-treating and doing this on Halloween, embassies are trying to express their message to the United States. This is who we are. We speak for Japan. We speak for Russia. We speak for Latvia. We speak for these countries, and we will represent what the values are, what the ideals are, to the United States through diplomats, ambassadors, so on and so forth. The church is the same thing. You are an embassy. You are a place that speaks for King Jesus. What is the message that you speak? Paul says it right here. The message of reconciliation. Why is that message of reconciliation a place where transformation can happen in Green Bay? And this is what I'll argue in three quick points. One, you pronounce the message of reconciliation. Two, you live out the message of reconciliation. And thirdly, you advance the message of reconciliation. The pronouncement of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Something has been broken. There is a relationship that is got problems and it has to be brought back together. And in our case, this relationship that's broken, this rebellion has happened with us against God. God hasn't rebelled against us. We have rebelled against him. And when we pronounce the message of reconciliation to Green Bay, we are saying this, This world has rebelled against God. There is tension. There are problems. There is poverty. There is materialism. There is sickness. There is death. Something is wrong in this world. It is in rebellion against the created order. Again, here's what it says in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and the Greek is actually not, he is a new creation. If anyone is in cre- Christ, new creation. It says right there, new creation. Not just individuals as new creations, but also the order of society as new creation. As pronouncers of reconciliation in Green Bay, you say this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Sickness and death and poverty and greed. But there is a new king. There is a new order in this world and in Green Bay. And this new creation and this new king is Jesus who is reordering what is broken. Who is booting back the creation what it should be. I had this exact conversation with a person this week in Appleton, and it went a little bit like this. I don't know if I can live under that reign of King Jesus, this person said. I have made so many bad choices, so many. And I am just trying to get what this culture of the valley has. I'm trying to get there. I want to be married. I want to have a house. I, I want to have kids. I want to have the values and the reign of the, of the valley. I want those things but I feel like I've made so many bad choices, I'm never going to be able to get there. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a family or having a house or having kids, but this is what I told this person. This weight of our culture, it says, be under the rain where you get these things, will crush you. But there is a rain under Jesus that will empower you and let you live free. And take all those bad choices in the past and just take them off. And you don't have to live where you gather all these things and live under the reign of what we think is right in the Fox Valley. But you can live under this. And I'm going to read this verse. I can find it. Verse 19, second part. This is in Christ who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I told this person, those weights, those sins, those past choices, if you come under the embassy of Christ, if you come under his reign, the good news is this, that burden you have that's weighing you down will be lifted. There is freedom under that reign, not a burden that many times is preached. This is what you have to do in Green Bay or Appleton to really be okay. But there is freedom with Christ. That is the message of reconciliation. So pronouncing to people, there is rebellion. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But there is a new king that is reconciled what has been broken and brought us in a right relationship with him, not based on what we have to do and the choices that we make, but based on him coming to us, freeing us. So the burden is taken off that many times a culture puts on us, and now we are free. What a freeing message for many people in Green Bay. Next, reconciliation is lived out. Aaron and I, uh, we used to live in Colorado, and our church told us we need to live in this one neighborhood, because our church was located in this neighborhood. And we didn't object, because the neighborhood was awesome. Um, It was, uh, there's a big thing in Colorado called new urbanism, which basically is like live, work, kind of all these things come to, there's lots of shops and, and houses, and then places that like a church and all these kind of things. And it's a planned community. And uh, it was ranked the number one community in Green Bay, in, uh, Colorado to live, okay? And we lived in it, okay? And it was, everyone's like, oh, it's a really exciting place to be. Lots of parties. People have movie nights in the summer all together. Everyone has barbecues in their backyard. There's front porches. Everyone speaks and waves and says hi to each other. It's just really a fun place to be. And now we're going to live there, okay? So Aaron and I are living there. And we realize pretty quickly it's not as cheery as you thought it was. We go to these parties, these movies, these front porches and we realize that certain people don't talk to each other. And in fact, they talk about each other behind their backs. Everyone says we want community, but what was happening because a lot of people moved to Colorado from other places, so they're trying to find community. When they start living with each other over a period of time, um, they start making each other mad because they sin against each other. And then what we, ha- what we saw over the time of living there is there's these huge rifts between people. And there's sins against each other. And people don't forgive each other. And in fact, they don't talk to each other anymore. But this is what Paul says to the church. He implores you, church. He says, um, in verse 20b, he says, God make his appeal, that we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then he goes on in 6.1, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What makes this a transformational community, the church? This embassy is this. This is a place of true reconciliation, of true forgiveness with each other. When we are reconciled to God, when we are forgiven by him through Jesus for all the things that we have done, because of that forgiveness he has given us, We then live out that grace, not in vain, but instead in reconciling relationships with one another. When we hurt one another, when you sin against one another, it's going to happen, Jacob's well. You're going to do it. You're going to hurt one another. You're going to sin against one another. But you know what reconciliation says? Because God has forgiven you, how much more should you forgive one another? And you want to know the good news for Green Bay? There are people out there that want true community. They want authenticity. They want realness. You want to give them realness? You want to give them authenticity? Sin against them and then say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Forgive me. I want to bear with you. And then when they sin against you, you do the same. That is true community. That is something the church offers that nothing else offers. That's transformative for Green Bay. I'm sorry, I get get really excited. I'm sorry. I'm probably a little bit more excitable than Dan. But the reason I'm so excitable (laughs) And I can say this to you guys is because you're doing it. You're a church. You have something that others don't offer. Embrace it, don't hide from it. Okay, now I'm yelling. Okay, moving on. Last one Reconciliation advanced. Rodney Stark, a sociologist that wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, he's at Baylor University, he wanted to find this. How come a little-known kind of group of people in the first century had enough influence in just a few centuries to be the dominant religion throughout the Roman Empire? How did this small group in just a few centuries, become the number one religion, in fact, the religion of the Roman Empire. And so he wants to study this from a sociological point of view. And this is the one thing that he found sociologically. One thing he found was this. There were many plagues in the Roman Empire from the 1st to the 4th century. And during those plagues, the pagans, I'm I'm not saying it pejoratively, they called themselves pagans, they would flee the cities where a lot of these plagues were. They would flee the cities so they would not get the epidemic. But the research shows, both from Roman authorities and Christian leaders and pagan leaders, that the Christians did not flee the cities during the plagues. In fact, they stayed and cared for one another, nursed one another when they were sick, And they would even care for the non-Christians, the pagans. And this is what the sociological evidence says. When you actually care for one another and nurse one another, you have a greater chance of not dying. So that increases the population of Christians. And one, when you care for non-Christians and they survive, they find, oh, these people are kind of important. So they become Christians themselves. This is the rise of Christianity. Christianity. Now, that's a sociological point of view. Why did Christians stay? Why did they decide to stay and risk death to care for one another and even outside of their group? I think Paul explains it right here. Almost the central message of Paul. Verse 21. For our sake he made him God making Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father sent his Son perfect that did not deserve death that didn't even have to come to earth and live among us but he did and he took our sin himself and died for us. Why did Christians in the early church risk their own lives to care for others in the church and even outside the church? Because their very king, the one that sent them out as ambassadors, he died for them. What message did their king send them? I died for you. I gave my life for you. So, us as ambassadors, our message is we will give our lives for others because our King has given it for us. I'm not talking about fun social service things to do. We go to the soup kitchen once a year. That's great. I mean, that's all the the rave nowadays in cities community service. Yes, that is the righteousness of God, but I'll tell you even what's greater and your motivation should be even more. You will even risk your life to serve others. You will give up your comforts. You will give up money. You will give up time. You will give up all of those things because your king gave that up for you. You think anyone else has that kind of motivation? They sure don't, but you do. And that will advance the message of reconciliation, and that will transform Green Bay because because of this, because Christ did it for you. I'm Don Dan. I know I'm going over my 15 minutes, and this is going to be a really long service, and I'm in trouble. But I want to end with this. Dan Jackson, Jeffrick, Mark Heiser, people of Jacob's Well, you are an embassy of reconciliation to the city. You are Presbyterians, ambassadors of the king. With this message, there is life in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are so good that you gave your son for us. You reconciled our rebellion. God, let that motivate us to transform this city. In your name we pray, amen.